Well, welcome again to the Big Fun Pod. It's been a while, but we finally have some basketball to talk about, or I guess some news to talk about. So we're going to discuss that. Got Tom Petrini here, as we're going to coast you through everything that is going on as not only the state of Texas is starting to open up a little bit, the country around us is starting to open up a little bit, and sports are slowly starting to trickle back into our lives. And, and Tom, if you want to give us a little breakdown of the big news happening today with the, poten- the potential as the vote is tomorrow, return of the NBA. Yeah, so uh, this is a story that we've been following for weeks, for months now. Uh, NBA has been shut down since uh, mid-March, and we've been following all of the developments on potential formats for return to play. Uh, there was a World Cup-style group stage floated that gained a lot of traction. I really wanted uh, that, by the way. Yeah, it, I think a lot of uh, people on the side of teams sort of uh, toward the middle of the pack there were, were hoping for something like that. I think the uh, teams higher up were not too stoked mm-hmm. about the risks involved with that for them. Um, and so the reporting today, uh, which is Wednesday, it's yeah. Wednesday, my dudes. All right, yeah. cool. So it's Wednesday. Uh, I've I've always been a little fuzzy on the days, but especially, yeah, I've, I've always been fuzzy on day of the week, but uh, especially now in the times we're living in. Um, and the reporting out now is that 22 teams will be returning to play because uh, nobody wants to see the Knicks, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But also it would have been a little unfair if they just went with the 16 teams in the playoffs because there are still teams that have a chance to be one of those 16 teams mm-hmm. when the season was uh, ended un- unexpectedly. And one of those teams is the San Antonio Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, as of the reporting right now from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, The Athletic, a bunch of other media outlets, this is what it's looking like. Uh, 22 teams coming back to play. The only the one through seven seeds in both conference are safe. Um, the eighth seed in each conference in the West, that's Memphis. Uh, they'll be in danger if there is a ninth seeded team that is within four games of them by the end of eight regular season games to determine seeding. So basically, here's how it looks at the bottom of the standings in the playoff picture in the West. You have the San Antonio Spurs uh, sitting exactly four games back of Memphis, uh, but they're only half a game back of Portland, and the Pelicans and Kings are in between them. Uh, So there will be eight games where the Spurs will have an opportunity to move into that ninth seed be within four games of Memphis. And then if that happens, there will be a tournament between two teams. Uh, and Memphis would have the advantage in that tournament uh, because they would essentially have two lives to the Spurs one. It would yeah. be double elimination for the eighth-seeded team, single elimination for the first-seeded team. Spurs would need to win two games in a row against Memphis to then become the eighth seed uh, and probably get disemboweled by the Lakers. But hey, <laughs> playoff streak. So the, the obvious question for me is, does this count? Does this count as, uh, as postseason? Because no. <laughs> in my mind, the season has ended. <laughs> But the, the regular season has ended. They're claiming that the eight games the Spurs are going to play are regular season games, thus saying that there is a resumption of the regular season and the playoffs are a different portion of that. So literally the Spurs have just made it into the second tier, like into like this right. in-between tier. So unless – Unless they get the, the ninth seed, I think that's really where the debate starts. And even then, I think you'd have to earn the eighth seed to be a part of the playoffs because they're not deeming this the playoffs. They're deeming it the play-in tournament, thus playing into something. Right. I don't, I don't think they've made the playoffs yet, but they have made the postseason. <laughs> this is the postseason. This is postseason because there are eight teams that are not playing 
<laughs> because they suck too bad. So technically speaking, heretofore, in conclusion, I digress. <laughs> this is the postseason. This is an unbelievable uh, tale you weave. Like, I, I just cannot wait for the books to be written in the future that the Spurs don't have a 30-year playoff streak. They have a 30-year postseason streak. Different. <laughs> They're different <laughs> things. Follow the line here. Follow the line. Because, seriously, though, I, I, don't, I don't know if you can consider it a, a true continuation of the regular season because – you got eight teams that suck that aren't playing. Yeah. And, you know, they, they literally stopped the regular season in the middle of it. Like, hey, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. You know, just, I, I would argue yeah. the other eight teams had uh, 0.00001% oh, yeah. chance of making it. Like, yeah. I mean, even the Warriors were statistically out of it by this point. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the real the, – the real – petty part about this is that a what stinks for the Spurs is that half a game they are essentially a step behind the Pelicans the Kings and the Trailblazers so they're going so they wouldn't be in a tiebreaker situation unless the Grizz essentially lose that eight spot and the Spurs are able to surge and tie them in some regard right the Spurs can only tie the Grizz and the Suns but being a half a game back doesn't put them on even even playing field. So they're going to have to win an extra game now. And and that's because they played one fewer game. Yeah. Right when when the season was was cut off. Yeah, and it depends. I mean, I think I think the Trailblazers have played two more games than the Spurs or like one more game than the Spurs, but uh I think the Spurs have played two more games than the Grizzlies. It's something like that. There's I mean, it's it's not equal. So It's, it's messy. At the, yeah, at the end of the day, this whole thing is messy because you know, nobody plans on a pandemic stopping yeah. the season in, in the middle of March. So there, there are all these what-if statements, and we can get into the minutia of that because the Spurs also, I believe, had the most home games remaining of any of the Western Conference teams. So there's that element, not that home court advantage has been that big of a thing uh, the last two years as what it once was. But nonetheless, I mean, you're home, you know – you dealt with the whole rodeo road trip and this is supposed to be the time you make up for all those home games. It really more hurts the Spurs financially not having all those home games, but regardless, um, it just, I'm very curious to be what the schedule is going to be like. And if the schedule is just going to be the Spurs play like the Suns once the trailblazers once the Pelicans once the, the, uh, what the Grizzlies, uh, Kings, Wizards, and then I guess teams are going to have to play. Uh, yeah, then you're going to probably have to play two teams or something from. I I don't even, I don't know if it's going to be like that. I I think we they might try to get a more representative sample of the 22 teams that are in it. I don't know what the difference is going to be between conferences. I don't know what the difference is going to be between you know, are they going to be playing more of the bottom feeders or are they going to be playing the Lakers? Are they going to be playing the Clippers? Yeah. Um. You know, this is all stuff that. Is still yet to be determined. They're going to stack the schedule. The Pelicans are going to play the Wizards twice. You're going to play the Suns twice. It's uh, it's all hopes for Zion. Who wants to see the Wizards play? That's what I want to know. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, the I think one interesting question that we can ask and attempt to answer is: Does this development make it easier for the Spurs to make the playoffs, or harder? Then, if none of this ever happened, and if the season continued, and uh, you know things things had just gone that way, is this uh, easier or harder? I'm gonna say probably the same, and leaning towards a little bit harder. Um, you know, it's really tough because the way the Spurs played against the Mavericks the last game leaves you with a good taste in your mouth of what was happening because LaMarcus came back from injury and they were just finally starting to get some pieces back minus Jakob. So it's like a little bit of recency bias, even though it's two and a half months ago. It's just like the fact that they left us off with a win against a very good team leads you to believe that maybe they were trending somewhere, you know, in the ebbs and flows of that season. Now, having said that, there's no reason why that, you know, I would ever think that they were going to be able to rattle off three, four, five wins in a row when the max winning streak they had the entire season was three. So 
I, I, in the end, they needed a big streak. I don't know if that streak was coming. There were things that I can argue it was, and then there are things I can say it, it was not. So I, I kind of just lean towards – the only reason I lean towards it's a little bit tougher is because there are teams like Portland who have Zach Collins and Nurkic returning. Memphis – I have in the sports department a sticky note that says Memphis will not make the will not win the eighth seed. The reason I said that is because a young team going through the course of an 82 game season is going to poop out at the end, which they were pooping out, and then they sort of got a few wins back. And I still their their schedule was going to be tough at the end. They had the toughest schedule left. Now the toughest schedule is wiped away, and they're a young group, so they're going to be able to get back into the flow of things really quickly. The same thing with the Kings though the Spurs stink against – they can't beat the Kings anymore. It's like – it's unbelievable. So I, I just – with an older team like San Antonio, it's not going to lend to their strengths to just pick up play and, you know. Um, you you have burnt Memphis pooping out into my front <laughs> Like Like you said that so many times throughout the season, and you were right. And I was, I was ready for it. I was ready yeah. for them to poop out. And, um, you know – a young team probably got a much needed break yeah. uh, from, from March until now. Um, so I, I lean a little bit the other way. I think this situation, though it's still kind of a long shot for the Spurs yeah. to make this, I think this makes it easier simply because down the home stretch of the season, not anticipating uh, the, the league to shut down, I was saying to myself, the Spurs are going to need for something crazy to happen mm-hmm. uh, to, to make the playoffs this year. And you know what? This might be the craziest thing that's happened in NBA history. Yeah. Um, in terms of teams making the playoffs. So I think that element where it's like, you know, you, you completely – take everybody out of their comfort zones. You take everybody out of, um, you know, what they had been doing, their routines, uh, and everybody's in the same boat with this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the half game back isn't great for the Spurs, but they're, they're basically, it's, it's half a game separating 9th through 12th mm-hmm. in, in the West right now. Um, so any one of those four teams can get hot at the right time. And the Spurs might be better positioned to do that because they, they do have some experience on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have uh, Greg Popovich, but will they have Greg Popovich for this? That's a great he's, question. He's 71. This is something that I've been thinking about through this whole return to play thing. Um, you know, people talk about coronavirus disproportionately uh, having adverse effects for mm-hmm. older people and for people with underlying health conditions. Most NBA fans don't think of NBA players as particularly, uh, you know, vulnerable to this, but you have to consider that Greg Popovich is 71. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge has an underlying heart condition that he has missed time for mm-hmm. in his, in his career. Um, so it becomes a question of, you know, should these people risk their lives for an outside chance at the playoffs? And I, I don't really think you could be mad at either of them for saying, you know what, I'm going to stay home. Um, I'm, I'm going to stay home and, and you guys, do your best out there uh, without us. Tim, Becky, you call the plays. You keep everybody in line. Yak, do what you do. Yeah, uh, welcome back, boy. Healthy, right. looking good. Drew, Drew Eubanks, you're going to play 20 minutes a game, wh- whatever it is. And would that be really disappointing for a lot of Spurs fans? Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm sure some people would be upset. I'm sure some people would have uh, some spicy opinions about uh, – you know, these, these people not being a willing to risk their lives for a couple of basketball games. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, how much of a bummer would it be for Spurs fans if something really bad happened? Uh, that, 
And it's, it's not about Spurs fans at that point. It's about these people and their families. And I mean, I'll say this. It's not like Pop couldn't coach from home. It, yes, he can't coach in-game from home. That would be on Tim, I assume, or Becky, um, or, or Will for that matter. If what we believe is the head coach is the one who puts together the game plan, then you should have a rotating head coach. You know, we'll, put, we'll see what happens if Popovich doesn't go there. But that doesn't mean that Popovich can't break down film after the game. doesn't mean that he can't help with the game plan. So, um, that I, I think it's more so the Lamarcus Aldridge question for me than the than the Popovich one, um, and, and not even to mention. I mean, who's to say that Popovich can't be texting? Like, I mean, this is such unprecedented times. I mean, I don't know if Popovich is out there texting or he would micromanage. That doesn't seem like he would do. I, I'm I just saying. had an image in my head of like you know, DeMar holding an iPad and a timeout and pops <laughs> on the other end of it in a, in a Zoom meeting, like, oh, how do I figure this thing yeah. out? Like, I'm trying uh, to hide participants. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we are literally in completely uncharted waters. Uh, yeah. So it's, I mean, it, so much of it, it's frustrating, but we, we literally just have to wait and see what's yeah. going to happen because yeah. there's – there's really no way of knowing. Um, and, and, and we don't really have a good answer for anybody out there because the Spurs still to this day have not entered the practice facility. They're one of the last remaining NBA teams, despite the fact that Texas was one of the first states to kind of reopen, reopen in a sense. Uh, the Spurs remain uh, steady in the fact that they are going to do things the way that they believe is right. And they're going to open on their terms. And to this day, you know, uh, Joe Ryan Eagle contacted the Spurs and they are not open today. So, uh, nor do we know of a plan of when they are going to open. So that's interesting with them being involved in coming back and essentially getting ready by July 31st. But, um, I'm sure all these players are doing what they got to do to work out. It's just totally, it's one thing to stay in shape and another thing to get in basketball shape. So, Right. I don't know. I mean, we'll see what kind of advantages though, you know, that provides. Um, and yeah, the I thing mean, is like social, social distancing during this time. Uh, like when is the last time any of these dudes have played defense? I like, I, me personally, like I, I like to, I like to play pickup basketball. I'm a nerd. So I enjoy playing defense and, mm-hmm. and passing and things like that. Uh, and I haven't been able to do any of those things uh, in, well, in the past couple months. Well, the funny thing is, going back to the beginning of this season, when we have media day with the Spurs, you know, how's your summer, yada, yada, yada. LaMarcus Aldridge had a great bite, and he said something along the lines of, look, I'm not going to lie to you. No NBA player enters the offseason working on defense, okay? We're right. all working on our offensive game. Like, that's just what we do. So, yeah, I mean, what you're going to see out of the gates is what you see in October when the season begins. It's going to be sloppy, and it's going to be who can figure it out the quickest. Like, usually, it's, this isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. Now it's a sprint. You know, the top seven seeds have an eight-game buffer, really. That's like kind of their, their preseason. Instead of having right. five games, they're going to have eight and they're going to figure it out. But, um, you know, the teams that are fighting for a playoff spot, it's playoff mode right now. Every game has a playoff-type feel to it because every – like the Spurs, at minimum, are going to have to go five and three. Like at minimum, and that's with other things breaking their way. Realistically, they probably have to go six and two. Yeah. Um, and again, that's just, I would assume if they go six and two, they can probably get past the other people, but I, I don't know that it just depends on the schedule. And to go to your point, I think you made a, a, a good argument for why it could be easier because in the grand scheme of things, now the Spurs essentially only need to surpass a half a game to get into the playoffs versus four games to get into the playoffs. So in that perspective, yeah, it is easier and on paper to do it. Uh, you know, when you dig into the details, I find it swing a little bit the other way. But yes, that is a good counterpoint. Yeah, I, I think for for these games, it's going to be really interesting to see not just what teams come back looking sharp 
and mm-hmm. which teams come back looking not so sharp. Uh, but it's also going to be interesting to see which individual players uh, come back and, you know, who's, be, who's been putting in work and who's been sitting on the couch. Absolutely. Um, and not to mention uh, injured players coming back and other players uh, sitting out. I mean, um, right, uh, Bogdanovich had, yeah. had season-ending surgery. He's done. Uh, for the Jazz, I believe, right? And then you have, I think Kyrie is not going to come back for the Nets. Durant has said he's not coming back despite being healthy. Um, Does John Wall come back? I heard that he's a lot better these days. Uh, It seems like Nurkic and Zach Collins are ready to go for Portland. I mean, there are a lot of factors where you're having players coming back and you have players actually being extracted because they're just preparing for next season. So, um, I mean, those are also part of the equations that are kind of, the The one, like, insane hypothetical that I saw that drove me nuts was, uh, like, what if all 30 teams come back and you have a Golden State team with Steph back, Clay back, uh, just playing spoiler. Yeah. (laughs) Like, just just to mess up other people's days. That, I, I... I would have died laughing at that. Like that would have been that that would have been so funny uh, for like anybody that they screwed over. But um, it should have been the World Cup, man. It should have been the World Cup. I would have liked to see that. Let there let there have been a a a a death group and all that stuff that they talk about uh, when you do the World Cup. I mean, of course. I mean. The teams at the top are looking out for themselves. Right. I always say, if you're the team at the top, what are you worried about? You're the team at the top for a reason. It was just literally, the, I think this, the sole thing that brought it down, though, was the fact that the Mavericks were going to be in the fifth tier and teams didn't want the Mavericks. There was like going to be no break for them. I think the reason that that idea got quashed was because the NBA doesn't want a situation where, um, you know, the the Lakers and the Bucks and the Clippers of the league would have uh, a statistically much higher probability of getting bounced out by something fluky in the first yeah, round you're because right. like they and especially right. in a situation like this where there are so many variables there's so much upheaval there's so much pe- people out of their comfort zones that weird stuff happens like we we are going to see I, I don't know what it's going to be. But I guarantee we're going to see something weird happen in these eight games and in this first round of, of playoffs. It's, it's going to look like summer league basketball, by the way. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, and, we're going to see the stars of the league playing real bang-up style of play. And uh, also, this probably should have led the podcast, but the top teams want some sort of advantage for once the – the playoffs begin and one of the ideas floated out there was getting better hotel <laughs> accommodations <laughs> which which to then i said we need a hotel draft aired on espn slash abc slash yes. tnt actually i scratched at tnt i need charles barkley shaquille o'neal ernie oh johnson breaking it down for me when the phoenix suns with the last pick get sent to the ramada inn down the street right yeah <laughs> no i i need to see like the lopez brothers fighting over the grand floridian like i need to see all of it uh <laughs> it's like what it goes without saying, but you still have to say it. Like there have been days throughout this whole this whole thing where I've been like, "Oh yeah, this is you know fine and it's whatever." And then there have been other days where I'm just like, "Oh, we're living in like crazy times. This yeah. is the upside down." Like, <laughs> yeah. like the NBA is about to finish their season in emergency fashion at Disney, in Orlando, with no fans, and. Uh, they're trying to the the teams at the top are trying to get better hotels like, <laughs> this is i for is one I, I love it i love i'm oh, all yeah. for it and i think they should monetize it to me i yes. think they i think it would be such a joke yes. that it would be great tv no it would be like it would be some much needed levity exactly uh, but, and and like what else is on espn all i know is that we don't need to see the horse thing again that just Right. Yeah. Keep, Whoa. keep that, keep that out of here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like, we, we have never seen anything like this before and it's going to be 
truly bizarre. Um, some, some questions that I have that I think the league needs to answer tomorrow about returning to play. Uh, they've already kind of answered which teams, uh, what the format's going to be. Um, and the, the question that is the biggest one for me, what happens if a player tests positive? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that has to be uniform across the board. That can't be – there's a different rule for LeBron than there is for – you know, Mikhail Bridges or whatever. Yeah. It can't, it can't be uh, any, any difference in that. And, and the Mikhail same Bridges, thing, that's the first name that came up. He's probably not even in there. <laughs> I just, yeah, I'm no, just, I, I'm just curious how, how your mind went from LeBron my, to Mikhail Bridges. My, my brain was trying to come up with the most inconsequential basketball player in the league and landed on Mikhail Bridges. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Mikhail. I'm sure you're a great guy, but uh, like the the other question is, are families allowed? And I saw something that families probably wouldn't be allowed until the actual playoffs start, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense, keeping the bubble small until some people leave. Um, but still, this this is going to be a risk. This is going to be a situation where it's it's not going to be possible to have it be a bubble it's a campus it's you know they're they're gonna be you know people need food people need other supplies uh there's there's going to be some social contact happening not to mention 10 guys on a basketball court bumping into each other breathing on each other and trying to put the ball in the hole so there's going to be the potential for the spread of disease um and one might even say a high likelihood that if somebody who is playing has it, multiple people are going to get it. Um, so the, the main thing that they, they need to really iron out is the health and safety aspect of it. Um, and I know we've been focused on, on the logistics of return to play from a How's it going to work with the playoffs perspective? Mm-hmm. But I think the most important thing is how's it going to work from a, from a player health perspective? Yeah, I, I think that is number one of the list of questions we need answered. Uh, not to mention as more information on the coronavirus comes out and, um, you know, things we've learned during this time kind of change on an hour-to-hour uh, basis versus even day-to-day. But uh, there is a huge concern out there that life indoors is way riskier than life outdoors. So the NBA has to also tackle those demons with air uh, ventilation and and how that's just pretty much going to circulate in its own bubble there during games. So, I mean, they're going to have to also – I mean, they're going to do constant testing. And, again, the problem with constant testing is if you have a a negative test – today and a negative test tomorrow and a negative test in three days doesn't mean that you don't have it. Just, it just might pop up a little late. It just, that's the whole confusing part about the coronavirus and why our country has come to such a halt is because it is not a black and white thing. It's very nuanced and we don't know enough about it. So those are very good questions to bring up from a, from a basketball standpoint, how's the draft going to work? You know, like, that's a uh, question a lot of people are, have been asking us on. Are the, are the Spurs going to be locked into 11 no matter what? Or are they going to allow the standings now to dictate where you land in that? Um, that's something we do not know yet. We, we do not know uh, the salary cap implications yet. I'm assuming we actually won't know that answer until the playoffs are done. Uh, you know, uh, the we got to get the postseason done. Then we got to get the playoffs done. Now I got to reference both of these because of uh, right. the, the, na- the narrative we're going to build. They're different. <laughs> <laughs> the postseason um, streak lives. The playoff yeah. streak, uh, we don't know. So, I, but it does look like this is certainly going to help the NBA uh, be in a better spot next year than what we uh, were originally assuming if they cancel the season. So, and the reason we are concerned 
with the salary cap here in San Antonio is A, they don't have much room next year, as is. B, DeMar might opt in. DeMar was for sure going to opt out. Um, and, and we were talking about sign trades and what was going to happen. Now we got to see what the cap looks like and if it makes sense for him to leave in such uncertain times to not get guaranteed money. Um, yeah. So, I mean, th- those are more questions that we need answered. Uh, I'm assuming the season next year is going to start at Christmas. So is that going to be forever? I mean, if they don't shorten one season, it will forever now begin on Christmas, which I- I'm probably for, but that's a whole separate discussion. So there are still some questions we just do not know. And, yeah. um, the, the, the health and safety is the biggest one because the NBA is really the, was the start of all of this. The minute one player got it. Right. So, you know, if we look at the sports that are returning, NASCAR, you sit in your own car, you're by yourself. Golf, it's just you and a caddy. You can socially distance and you're in the wide open outdoors. Um, baseball still hasn't figured it out. Football is staying the course, but they haven't done anything yet. Same thing with the collegiate levels. They're about to train, but again, they're outdoors. NHL has a plan, but they haven't really began moving forward in that. Um, So the NBA is stepping into the big unknown, and uh, what's going to happen when when something turns up? Right. And, you know, just from – for me, having covered the news side of this over the past two months, um, I can tell you that there is a lot of concern from health experts and from many other people that uh, even a couple weeks ago that things were opening up too soon. That uh, as uh, as a as a group as a country, we haven't uh, tamped down that curve enough. Mm-hmm. And this disease is still spreading. Um, and that was before uh, the events of the past week where we've seen tens of thousands of people gathering in the street to protest against police brutality. Um, and these large gatherings are incredibly dangerous when it comes to spreading this disease. Um and, and that's something that I, I think would be remiss if we didn't mention um, the, uh, the police killing of George Floyd that has triggered um, widespread unrest across this country. Um, as you may have seen, Greg Popovich was one of several coaches uh, named to an NBA advisory board uh, to have a, a comment on that. Um, it was him, Steve Kerr. Um, Lloyd Pierce, I believe, was involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Fisdale, a couple others. Um, and that statement read in part, uh, we lead groups of men, most of whom are African-American, and we see, hear, and share their feelings of disgust, frustration, and helplessness and anger. Uh, police brutality, racial profiling, and the weaponization of racism are shameful, inhumane, and intolerable. Um, so... And then he uh, went on his own uh, comments to a reporter for The Nation, um, blasted everybody from Trump to Ted Cruz to Mitch McConnell, and talked about uh, the need for change and leadership on these issues. Uh, we have full story up on Ken's Five if you'd like to see those comments. Um, and, you know, this is – Pop has – uh, not made it a mystery where he stands on these issues over the years. Um, he's He's been quite outspoken. And uh, that's something that I know his players appreciate. Um, you know, you could talk to any of his players about Pop's commitment to uh, not just speaking out, but to educating and to... Um, you know, talking to his players and peers about things that they might not be familiar with from um, Patty Mills indigenous culture to uh, police brutality and other issues that impact his players directly. Yeah. Um, and that, that goes a long way. I think when uh, 
his his players can look at their leader and say, you know, he cares, he gets it. Yeah, and I think that Greg Pavlovich has always been extremely consistent in voicing his opinions, thoughts uh, as a go-to guy that so many look up to. Um, you know, that's the biggest thing during the, the George Floyd protest riots and all this stuff that has happened after his death, which we all witnessed, you know, it was a, it was a murder. Uh, don't say it otherwise, it was a murder. And Popovich has always had the same message and having that sense of consistency, you know, not just being outraged now, but being outraged during the Ferguson riots and when Kaepernick kneeled and all that stuff and keeping the course, um, it's just more people have to understand that if the, if we can get a, a, a greater chorus of voices that has a bigger impact. Um, right. But you know, that, that there, if you listen also to the podcast, it was him, Pete Carroll and Steve Kerr, yes. uh, you know, uh, highly suggested Bill Simmons. Um, and DeRay. DeRay. And DeRay yeah. Yeah. Um, that it's a great conversation and it, it, it ultimately uh, comes down to, our leaders enacting change and, and, you know, the, the pop political comments, I'm going to leave for pop to, to handle. Right. Um, but I'll say this, you know, the, the biggest problem in all this is no matter who has been president leading the charge, it's a systemic problem. That right. means the ones before it, before and before have not done enough. We as citizens have not done enough to help advance and progress this issue. And right. now we are seeing the frustrations and the anger boil over, similar to what we have seen in the past, uh, Ferguson, Rodney King, so on and so forth. We, you know, yeah. the 1960s, 1920s. After Dr. King was killed. Yeah, I mean, it, it just, it, this isn't like a one-off, okay? They're like People are pissed, and new generations grow up with new things happening, and people are pissed. And because we have phones now, we have proof. There is proof, which is something that in the past we haven't had. You had to trust people. You know, women are fighting that movement too right now. So that, like, it's a very similar thought process. You know, sometimes you have to, you have to trust and listen and fight for these people who need a voice. And whether, whether you don't think you have a platform or not, it's just important to, to show support sometimes. And you, you put together a video before uh, Pop's most recent comments. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, he, he's said this in 2017. Yeah. Um, and I, I think one of the reasons that he has become such a prominent voice on these issues is because uh, he calls out his fellow white people to do better. Um, you know, he has said that, you know, white people need to have uncomfortable conversations about their privilege and not just about individual instances of racism and police brutality. Uh, Cause it, it goes way beyond George Floyd. It goes uh, way past Eric Garner and Tamir Rice and Trayvon Martin and all the way back to Emmett Till and then to slavery before that. Um, you know, it's, these are systemic issues that uh, Pop has said multiple times, white people have been able to ignore for years um, because in their minds, it doesn't impact them directly, but it does. It gives them built-in advantages. And on these issues, Pop has said, you know, we need to do better and we need to uh, work together for all people and confront this issue that um, is uncomfortable to think about because as he's said, a lot of people uh, just don't, don't want to think about the ugly truth of the matter. Um, and he has used his platform to raise awareness and to start those difficult conversations. Yeah. Um, and that's why people look to him in times like these. And he knows that. Um, yeah. and, and, and I just want to add with the, the, the pop stuff too, because, uh, I can only imagine that if you are uh, a Trump supporter, you would be very offended by some of the things that Popovich said. 
And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this: that name calling is not a a, a conservative or liberal thing. Both sides do it, so uh, that is something that we can agree or disagree on. But I guarantee. If you are somebody that's really into politics, you have said something very negative and mean towards somebody who doesn't share your beliefs. So to focus on the name calling would be a shame, just like to focus on the looting that's going on would be a shame because these are not the issues at hand. They're, they're byproducts and we can not like the byproducts of what the, mess- the core message is uh, what's coming out of the core message, but we always have to remember what the sole purpose is here. And no matter where we veer off track, nothing's going to be fixed unless we deal with this core issue. And I think the, you know, what you saw in pop statement was frustration uh, built up by partisan politics, but also built up by the fact that there are uh, leaders in this country that are not doing enough. And that is a fact. And without leaders, in power to make impact, nothing is going to change because Greg Popovich is still just a basketball coach. He has no, uh, it is not his job to unify the country. It is our leader's jobs to unify the country. And that is also a systemic problem, not just a Trump thing. It's, it, it is continuously, when it comes to police brutality, when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement, when it comes to the Me Too movement, LGBT, movement all these movements they need leaders to step up so that is it and this is what we're fighting for now like as a country so uh just uh i can understand if you're pissed about some of the off-track comments that he made um you know every right to be pissed but you also still have to be pissed about the police brutality and the treatment of that there has to be you you can't allow one comment to deter you off the main point you can you can be pissed at both. Like people forget that things can cohabitate. You know, I said this on Twitter too. You can you can be fervently a supporter of the police, but you can also fervently be against the murders that happen, the police brutality, and say that we need reform. No one's perfect. Progress comes from messing up. Progress comes from mistakes. So if we don't recognize the mistakes that we're making, we're not making any progress. So to say that everything's good and peachy is a lie. It's a blatant lie. We can have discussions about everything else, but things are not good and peachy. That is, that is a fact. It's a, it's a shame that, um, you know, some people are choosing to focus on, uh, broken windows and, uh, angry comments rather than, um, the, the true message and the true issue at the root of it. And that is that, uh, black people are disproportionately, Mm killed and incarcerated by our police. Um, And that is Pop's message is that that is a conversation that we need to be having Mm -hmm. on a daily basis, all of us, uh, because it's an issue that affects uh, members of our community every single day. Yeah. And Um, again, totally, totally against the looting, totally against the violence, but you always have to remember that that stuff is happening because the main issue has not been fixed. If, if there was a message that uh, the black community felt like they were being heard and there was progress to make things better, there, there's not going to be a quick fix. It's going to take decades and centuries. Like, I don't know. I mean, we've, we moved 150 plus years. We still haven't figured it out, but there has to be some sort of ball rolling. And until you get a ball rolling, it's going to continue to happen. So to focus on the looting, it's like, we agree that's bad, but that's, that's not, People didn't storm the streets to, to steal from stores, you know? Those people most of the time just see an opportunity to do it because of the protest. Yeah. If and you would- also from, from the news side of it, um, you know, law, law enforcement is focusing on, um, you know, there are peaceful protests. There are some people who are legitimately and rightfully angry um, who are breaking things. And then there are also people who are taking advantage of the situation um, to sow discord, to commit acts of violence. Um, And some people trying to make the movement look bad to discredit the movement. Um, So it's, um, this, yeah, it's it's a, it's a really complicated issue, but at the root of it is 
systemic injustice mm-hmm. that Greg Popovich has been fighting against uh, vocally for years. Yeah, and, um, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get back on track with the Spurs, but again, Greg Popovich is the head coach of the Spurs. He's one of the most respected coaches in the NBA. He's one of the go-to voices in the NBA in the sports world. Um, it's important to talk about that from a Spurs perspective, and it's also important to talk about that from a human perspective because we are humans. So I feel like it was a necessity to, to say some of those things. And, uh, you know, I just continue to say that um, a lot of times in the world, we just we look for people who are wrong and right. And just so much time, there's a gray area. And if we just listened, like we have totally forgotten the ability to compromise and to move forward and to progress because we are so stuck in our biases and the way that we think. So, you know, I just, everything is always like this inability to give an inch to the other side, because if you give an inch, you look weak and, uh, you know, we can get into all that stuff later, but the, the core issue is, is working with the black community, working with the police uh, to, to progress in a, in a positive way. Um, and, and I think that is, that is the key message. And you want to have a discussion about all the other stuff. I'm all ears, but we got to be on the same page that we do. Right. And we've seen other members of the Spurs engaging in the community, um, DeJounte Murray, he's been vocal. Lonnie Walker was uh, uh, out there downtown cleaning up after some of the yeah. damage this weekend. Uh, LaMarcus um, Aldridge, I saw, had something on Twitter. I saw Patty Mills have something today on Twitter. Um, I, I think, did you just mention Trey Lyles? Um, mm-hmm. He is so, um, uh, Marco Bellinelli. Um, and these are just the ones that, that I'm thinking on top of my head. I think, you know, by now most people have, uttered some sort of comment. And it's across the sports world too. And you see people with varying degrees of understanding on the issue. Like Tom Herman um, had a, a really moving quote about how, if you're going to cheer for these guys on Saturday for three hours, if you're going to, you know, go nuts when they score a touchdown, mm-hmm. you need to, you need to care about their lives. Yeah. And, you know, especially in the NBA, somewhere around 80% of the players in the NBA are black. Yeah. Um, so it's, and NBA players have been the victims of police brutality. Uh, Sterling Brown in Milwaukee, Tabo Cephalosha in New York. Like, you know, it, it is uh, a systemic issue. It is a continuing issue. Um, and it's, it's one that um, popped for years has talked about. So with that, uh, let's kind of wrap up our thoughts on uh, this return to play. And how do you think it's going to go for the Spurs? What do you, what are you expecting to happen? First, I got to know who's on the roster. Uh, you know, I don't know if LaMarcus Aldridge is going to be back. I think it's a very good question to say is a guy with a, a, a heart issue going to throw himself into a risk for eight games in a situation where um, I think the team felt confident they were going to make the playoffs, but you know, let's be honest with ourselves. It's still, the probabilities are, are kind of slim, even like making the playoffs, even if he did that beating the Lakers slim. So uh, I don't know if Lamarcus doesn't come back. Uh, it's, I don't, I don't see how the Spurs are going to, I mean, say whatever you want about Lamarcus Aldridge, you know, he frustrates Spurs fans like none other. Uh, but he is much better on the court than off the court. And when he has the ability to hit three-pointers, which he was doing great, and for some reason towards kind of that slump there, he stopped. I don't you know. It's a new trend, so sometimes I guess maybe old habits die hard. And uh, if he is living beyond the arc, having a seven-footer shoot three-pointers – dramatically opens things up. That is when DeMar DeRozan had his hot streak and he was making an all-star push. Um, From that perspective, I think they could make a run. I mean, I would love to see Derek White and DeJounte Murray play together, but I would imagine if the Spurs were so conservative this year with their minutes, they're going to be even more conservative coming back after a long break and starting off a season. So, I'm just saying, Spurs fans, be ready for Bryn Forbes and and um, like the, that stuff's not going to change. I don't know. Um, I would imagine. I would really hope that Keldon gets to play. 
I just really think that, you know, I don't, Keldon earned minutes. That's all I'm saying is that in, in the limited, limited time that we saw, he did some things that earned himself minutes. And there are some guys in the NBA and college basketball uh, when you watch and they're just bucket getters. They just, they're, they're guys that you look up and, you know, you, you look at the box score and you go, how did they score that many points? I don't remember that. It's like DeMar does that all the time. Um, Keldon's one of those guys. And I just think that, um, you know, just like we were saying at the, towards the end of the, re- the regular season before we got into the post, before we got into the postseason to enter the playoffs, um, I would like to see the Spurs tinker a little bit with some new thoughts and strategies with this roster and, um, you know, try to figure out things for next year and, and how it's going to look. Because uh, at this point, I don't envision the roster being that different. Um, if DeMar doesn't come back, that opens up some room, but with the salary cap shrinking, I would assume, you know, maybe the Spurs are going to try to get a trade and open things up to eat at some of the, the 2022 cap room, um, the 2021, uh, off season cap room. So, um, yeah, long story short of my rant there, I'm not optimistic that when we get back to play, the Spurs are going to be in that eight, nine matchup, but I just don't know because it, 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 who knows who starts out of the gate. And you mentioned something with veteran presence, um, having the ability to just pick up and go and not be caught up in the emotions of everything and, and having that sort of sensibility about you and all these players being in the playoffs for the most part um, outside of, guys like Keldon and, and Lonnie who really didn't play in the playoffs, then, I mean, the moment's not going to be too big for them when everyone is watching them. That, right. that, you know, nobody's in the stands, but they know everybody's watching them. I, I think the LaMarcus Aldridge thing is, is really key to this. And you brought up the outside shooting, which during, during the regular season absolutely was, like, that was the key for the Spurs. I think in this format, it actually – would behoove LaMarcus Aldridge to bang in the paint a little bit. Because when you think about it, after this extremely long layoff where these guys aren't playing, what's going to suffer on the court is team play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, plays, motion, it's not going to be crisp for a lot of teams. So it's going to come down to individual bucket getters getting individual buckets and rather uncharacteristically for the Spurs, they have a couple of guys who are really at their best in isolation situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, having a, a six eleven back to the basket guy um, in those situations where you need a bucket, you dump it down in the post it, it might pay div- dividends for the Spurs and especially if other teams are tr- struggling to figure out their approach and the Spurs can just simplify it and say, all right, pick and pop with DeMar and LaMarcus, clear out an ISO for DeMar or dump it to LaMarcus on the left block. Um, if the Spurs can simplify the attack to being around that and – I'm 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 holding out hope that uh, they decide to play some of their better players more. Uh, that would be nice to see. I we've, would like. We've to had see that, that hope for a long time all season. Yes. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, this long layoff, they have uh, been able to watch some film and think about some things and say, "Hey, wait a minute." Yeah. We have a guy uh, coming off the bench who is a three-position defender, a very good one, and uh, we might want to put that guy in there, especially in a situation where uh, most other people are not going to be on top of their defensive game. Most Most other people, most other teams are going to be full of players who, uh, you know, the foot speed, the reactions, they're going to be out of practice on defense. Uh, and I've never had that concern about Derek White 
I, I have always felt that he is going to be locked in on that end of the floor. Um, so I would like to see more Derek White. I would like to see more Lonnie Walker. I'd like to see less Marco Bellinelli and Bryn Forbes. These are may, maybe things are returning to normal because I'm saying things like this again. <laughs> um, but yeah, at the at the end of the day, I think the more the Spurs can change about their approach on the court, the better. Um, I think that they're going to hopefully experiment a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll yeah, see. But the the biggest question for me is whether or not. LaMarcus Aldridge plays. And I think either way, uh, they, they, would be, they, would, they would miss him if he didn't play. Yeah. Even if you don't like his style. Even if... Um, and we saw that. I mean, when he... I mean, yeah. You know, the Spurs are in a tailspin there before beating the, the Mavs without LaMarcus coming back. They just needed him. You need his presence. Even if he doesn't bring it every game and you're frustrated as a fan, you need him on the court. He just brings an element that that other players cannot. Uh, right. And Yak does some things well, but he does not have the offensive game of LaMarcus. And it's not even close, you know. But Yak, I mean, Yak has his own benefits. Don't get me wrong. It's just, just a totally different style of player. Now, I mean, also during that tailspin, they didn't have Yak. They didn't have LaMarcus. So it was really right. bad. But um, if, if I see Yak dribbling in the post, I, I clench. Like, <laughs> it's, I, I just don't want to see that. Uh, um, but – like, it's it's going to be good for the Spurs to have Yak back. It's going to be good yeah. for the Spurs to have Lonnie Walker back. Um, and we'll yeah. see. Yeah, you know what? I think the general my general thought is with the NBA coming back is is how lucky are Spurs fans? The fact that they're gifted eight more games with a team that they get to root for to have a little bit of sense of normalcy. Hopefully everything goes smoothly with the NBA and we have that sense of normalcy throughout the playoffs and whatnot. But um, after, after missing the NBA for, I mean, we should be on the precipice of the NBA finals and we're going to get the NBA July 31st. Uh, got Still got to wait a long time here, but to essentially go four months uh, without basketball when we should have had basketball throughout those four months and to just see your team out there again I don't know it just it's one of those things where uh, it, I'm going to be tossing with myself internally between being so appreciative of seeing sports again and seeing the NBA again versus the actual X's and O's oh man here's like Bryn's playing too many minutes right oh man we see Marco it's like yeah. I, like fans are uh, never going to be so happy to see like Marco do a, a leaning three pointer in their life. Like, it's right. <laughs> well, it's, and, and then there's the, the added element. So you, you have, I'm so glad basketball is back. Why is, why is Bryn out there? And then you also have like a, an underlying fear and concern that something bad might happen with coronavirus. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it is, it's a risk. It, and it's a risk that I'm sure a lot of these players are willing to take. Um, but they are putting themselves at risk for our entertainment. And yeah, life's a risk, Carnell. But like, you know, it's, it's like uh, playing basketball in the middle of a, in the, uh, a pandemic in a, uh, of a high, highly contagious disease. Yeah, that, that's a risk. It's something that's already touched this community. Um, you know, Carl Anthony Towns lost his mom. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a, uh, it, it's, it's a global issue. It's, it's especially bad in the United States. Um, and over a hundred thousand, uh, people in this country have died of this disease. So it's, yeah. it's not something to be taken lightly. Um, but I look forward to the vote tomorrow. I look forward to understanding uh, the safety elements of the return to play because uh, we already sort of have the um, the breakdown of how it's going to work for for playing. Um, and I'm ex- I'm excited to watch basketball again. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I, I think a lot of us are, um, and it's going to be far from normal. Uh, I, I hope we have mics on the court. I hope we can hear some of the trash talk. Um, it's going to be weird watching these games with, with nobody in the stands. Um, but 
at the end of the day, NBA basketball is coming back. And I think that's something that we can all be uh, pretty excited about. Yeah. And that's, and that's the, uh, I think that's the final message. I think that's the, the best way to end on this besides the fact that once again, for branding purposes, there is a postseason and there's a playoffs understand right. the difference. Tell your friends because the narrative the postseason is- streak continues, baby. The streak lives technically kind of asterisk Shaq. I'm fine with the asterisk on this one. Give it to us. <laughs> I have, I have a whole uh, rant on the use of the asterisk <laughs> and why it isn't sports, which I might say for a Ken five uh, segment soon enough. But uh, in, in short, I, the asterisk is essentially, we don't know it such a, a byproduct of, the terms we place on it in the present when, and this doesn't deal with like the Astros thing where there's cheating involved and you come across the cheating that creates the asterisks. That's the whole reason why it's there. Cause it's, but let's, you know, people bring up the 99 Spurs, you know, they said like it's an asterisk season. Why? Because it was an NBA shortened season. Well, an asterisk is there in place to say that something out of the ordinary happened. Right. Okay. Now, when the Spurs won, it was their first ever title. Thus, the asterisk was put in on them because, oh, man, the Spurs never win, and they win this season. That's bad. But by winning in 01 and 03, it validated 99. Thus, it wasn't an asterisk. It was proof that the 99 team was a, a really good team that carried over its success with its main right. core in 01 and 03. So uh, it's just the, one the thing was that, like the, the Lakers, asterisk. Yeah, the asterisk didn't come until Phil Jackson was salty about it and was like, "Yeah, there's an asterisk yeah. there." Like, like this for this season, we all know that there is an asterisk on this. No matter how it turns out, no matter what happens, there is no way for you to just look through NBA history, get to the 1920 season, and but, say, "Yeah, that was normal." But you like, know? but if let's say the Lakers win it all, I mean, is that really an asterisk? Is it the Clippers There's an asterisk on the season. But the, the, Lakers, uh, the Lakers were going to make the playoffs. The Lakers and the Clippers, they were, making, they were sure. already the proverbially uh, – the proverbial – they were favorites. <laughs> uh, so it's like, to me, it, like, asterisks are when something that shouldn't have happened happened. And though the asterisk here is like, like maybe the, like the Grizzlies, if they made the playoffs, there would be an asterisk. But if they made the playoffs like next year and the year after and the year after, maybe not. Maybe this was the beginning of something great, you know? I, th- I think the asterisk, you, you have to separate the asterisk and what it does from the connotation, right? Because like yeah. you said, the asterisk is just there to say, I think that the asterisk is there to say and something I, weird happened here. So and it's not, not about the result. That. It's about yeah. the context. It's, it's, putting, it's putting the season... And it doesn't have to be the result, but it puts the season in the context of this is what happened that year that was out of the ordinary. And if people want to take that a step further and say, because that out of the ordinary thing happened, this is illegitimate or this is, uh, you know, not to be trusted. That's that's a personal decision. That that'll depend for me who wins. You know, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll make that the story yeah, after. I'm, I'm just yeah. This then this is why it's uh, right. The, the asterisks in sports. Uh, they want to open up Pandora's box, but it's, it's a riveting conversation because it's, it's filtered, it's filtered through, um, sort of like you have the Astros and like scandals and you have like steroid error and like Barry Bonds home run numbers, you put an asterisk there and then it meets with things that are weird. And like, like there has to be a division between weird and wrong. And so that's the whole point of why the asterisk of this season has to Everyone's already saying, ah, it's not going to matter. Like, well, I mean, if you want to say it's weird, it's weird. But, uh, like, we can't just say it's, like, not a title. That does, yeah, that, you can't write it off. So, it, it depending, I mean, if, like, some random team, like, if, if the Spurs, you know, make a run and win the championship, might say asterisks. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm just saying. No, uh, if, if the Spurs win, it's completely legitimate. Yeah, uh, okay, of course. As always. All right. Uh, okay. So we, I think we can leave it there. Wonderful conversation as always, buddy. Uh, stay mm-hmm. safe out there. Yeah, you too. Uh, 
He's Evan Klosky. I'm Tom Petrini. We will continue coverage on Ken's Five on our website, on Twitter. Um, we're expecting an announcement on a vote tomorrow on the exact terms of returning to play. And when that comes out, you can best believe we'll be all over it. Uh, so we will see you then. Be safe out there, guys. Uh, wear masks in public. Follow us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, love each other a little more. Yeah. All right. Peace, guys. See ya.